Today is Friday, July 15th. I'm Pastor Sean Cole, the lead pastor of Emmanuel Baptist Church. I also teach at Colorado Christian University. You're listening to Understanding Christianity, Strength for Today, mini podcast. Hopefully you've had a good week in the Lord as we've gone through Philippians. We're still in chapter 3, and we're going to look at something today called the perfectionist heresy. And so let's just dive right into it. Uh, Philippians chapter 3, 12 through 15. Not that I've already obtained this, or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I'm going to take a theological excursion on this Friday, as we kind of go through Paul's argument here. Paul's going to combat a heresy that was probably evident in the church in Philippi. And it's probably one that's fairly common today among some branches of evangelicalism. It's the perfectionist heresy that says this. It says that we can achieve a state of sinless perfection here on earth, and we can actually cease from sinning. There might have been some in Philippi who thought that they could somehow attain this super knowledge of Christ, attain this sinless perfection. They could be in this state of sinlessness. Paul knocks that heresy right out of the water. In verse 12, Paul says, Not that I've already obtained this, or already perfect. Now, we need to understand the way Paul uses the word perfect. It basically means mature. It doesn't mean sin-free. It doesn't mean he never sins. The word teleos means mature, full-grown. It's in the perfect tense again, which is very important. It means, I've not reached this level. Paul's saying, I've not reached this level of completed maturity. I'm still in the process of growth. So just the Greek meaning of that word and the way it's used in the Greek text with the verb shows that Paul hasn't achieved this yet. He says, listen, my position is perfect in the sense that I have been justified by grace alone through faith alone. I stand permanently accepted. I've been adopted into God's family. As far as justification is concerned, I'm, 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 I'm perfect in God's sight. But as far as my experience until the day I step foot into heaven, there's still a lot of growth. I need experience to be Christ-like. I haven't experienced the completion of my salvation. Remember what we looked at yesterday? What's the ultimate end of your salvation? Glorification. Your resurrected body in the new heavens and the new earth when Christ makes all things new. So Paul can say it this way. Listen, he can say, listen, I have been saved. It's a past tense reality. It happened on the cross when Jesus died for my sins. It happened in a moment when I placed my faith in Christ. I was justified. I was declared not guilty. I have been saved. Paul can also say, I will be saved. There's still an aspect of our salvation that hasn't occurred yet. We haven't had the fullness of our redemption. We, we, we're not in heaven yet. We don't have our glorified body. We haven't been changed in the twinkling of an eye. This is a future reality. So I have been saved. I will be saved. But yet, the question for us today is, okay, how do I live in the present? Do I idly sit by and wait somehow for Christ to return and do nothing? Do I just let go and let God, and am I just passively waiting for God to do everything in the Christian life? Do I collect my fire insurance and just coast? Let's go back in context to Philippians and see how Paul's already addressed this question. Philippians 2, 12-13 Therefore, my beloved, as you've already always obeyed, 
So now, not only is in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and work for his good pleasure. Work out your own salvation. Not work for, work it out. Put forth some effort. What does Paul say there in verse 12? I press on to make it known. I continually, as an ongoing process, chase after, run after, press on. Now, we don't know this for sure, but I think Paul must have been somewhat of a sports fan. It's very evident from his epistles. At least he talks about athletics a lot. And we see this analogy here of a runner in the Olympic Games. The word for press on here was used of a sprinter who exerts aggressive energy to win the race. Now, this is where some of the translation gets a little murky. The ESV says there, I press on to make it my own. The King James says, apprehended. New American Standard says, lay hold of. NIV says, take hold of. The word in Greek means all of these, to seize, to grasp, to take possession, to grip firmly, even to tackle. The Greek word denotes aggressive, energetic activity of the believer. So the question is, to what does Paul grab so tightly? I press on to grab a hold of it. What is it? We have to ask the question in reverse, because Paul kind of takes us in a roundabout way. For what purpose did Jesus tackle, seize, lay hold, and make his own of Paul? Why did Christ hunt us down and save us by grace? Why did Jesus pursue us? Christ Jesus has made me his own. How did Christ Jesus make Paul his own? What, what, what happened to Paul on the road to Damascus? He was blinded. He was aggressively knocked down by Jesus. The question is, why in the world does God save sinners? Why does Jesus make us his own? Why does Jesus save us? So that we can be good, upstanding American citizens, to enhance our self-esteem, to give us our, our every heart's desire? No, it's so that we would be conformed to the image of his Son and grow in godliness. God saved us to conform us to the image of his Son. In other words, we're saved to live a life of worship, where we're becoming more and more Christ-like. So here's the question. If that is why Christ laid hold of Jesus, I mean, is that, if that's why Christ laid hold of Paul, to make Paul like Jesus... Then in the reverse, it's Paul's burning desire as well to tackle, to seize, to take hold, to become like Christ. So what Paul wants to hold on to, what Paul wants to make his own, is Christ-likeness. A, a growth in godliness, to be more like Jesus. Have you ever stopped to think that Jesus tackled you? Jesus apprehended you? Jesus seized you through sovereign grace? He pursued you? And why did he pursue you? Why did he hunt you down? Why did he grab you in his grace? So that in turn you could be transformed to turn around and grab and pursue and chase him in Christ's likeness and pursue this intimate knowledge of him. Not that you're going to be perfect. Not that you're going to never sin. Paul says, listen, I, I'm not arrived. I'm not mature. I've got a long ways to go. But in the meantime, until that day you step foot into heaven and you're glorified, are you pursuing Christ? 
Are you pressing on to hold Christ? Are you pressing on to be conformed to Christ? Are you exerting the spiritual energy through the power of the Holy Spirit to be more like Jesus? Is that your heart's desire? Well, we've come to the end of this week. Today is Friday, July 15th. And I pray that as you go into the weekend, you have time to meditate and think more upon Philippians. I pray that this Lord's Day Sunday, you are in a Bible-believing church where your pastor preaches expositionally. He lays bare the text so that you can hear God's voice in the text and be so transformed by the preaching of the gospel and among brothers and sisters in Christ. I just pray that you have a great weekend in the Lord. And again, Lord willing, we'll be back next Monday to start again through the book of Philippians. So I want to thank you for listening to Understanding Christianity, the mini podcast Strength for Today. Until next week, have a great weekend. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. May the Lord bless you and keep you and cause His face to shine upon you. 